Sometimes my family likes to go for a hike. I'll rephrase. Sometimes I like to go for a hike and drag my family along. And we uh, will go for hikes, and, and as we're hiking, um, f- from time to time, people get tired. And so when people get tired, then we have to um, do piggyback rides to get the rest of the way there. And, it, and, and so that, Eliana, would you come demonstrate how we do a piggyback ride? This, let, me just, let me just show you what happens when, when, so when somebody gets tired, we have to do a piggyback ride. And so we have to do, can you give me a piggyback ride? I'll try. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? No. no. <laughs> okay, you can go sit down. <laughs> so, so it's a funny thing because she wasn't expecting that I would give her a piggyback, or she was expecting that I would give her a piggyback ride. And maybe you were expecting that too, rather than the other way around. And th- something like that happened in our passage this morning. Because Jesus is going to come to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is going to go, what are you coming to me to be baptized for? So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All all of these people had been coming to John to be baptized. They had heard about this guy that was dressed in camel's hair and a leather belt preaching out in the wilderness by the Jordan River, and they had been coming out to him. They'd been coming from Jerusalem, from Judea, and all around the area from the Jordan. And here comes Jesus up from the north country up from by Galilee. And he comes down, and he's coming down uh, in toward Jerusalem and down to the Jordan River, and he comes and he sees John, and he comes out to John so that he also might be baptized. And John looks at him and goes, um, what? I'm, I'm sorry, you want to be baptized by me? Why, why would you want to be baptized by me? Remember just a few verses ago, just two verses ago, John had said, I baptize you. This is, he was talking to the people who were coming out to be baptized by him. He's talking to them and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This guy, this guy that is so great that I am not even worthy to untie his sandals is coming after me. 
I'm baptizing you with water, but this guy, he's going to bring the Holy Spirit with him. And that guy that John had been referring to, that Jesus comes walking up and says, would you baptize me? And John's going, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. You want to be baptized by me? You want to be baptized by me? Jesus, this should be the other way around. You see, sometimes when I was reading through this, I would see John um, uh, responding to Jesus' desire to be baptized uh, because Jesus was sinless, right? As though, for some reason, John was going, wait, you don't need to be baptized. I do this baptism of repentance in Jesus. You don't really need to be baptized. And, And that's true that Jesus didn't need to be baptized with a baptism of repentance. Jesus had no need to repent. He was righteous. He was perfect. He had no sin in him. He did not need to repent of his sin. But John came anyway preaching, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is at hand. But when Jesus comes down and John sees him, John's response is, wait, time out. You don't need to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. It's not appropriate, Jesus. I'm not worthy, Jesus. And I think of so many of the prophets who God came to him, God would come to these prophets and say, this is my message, I will send you. And they would say, no, I'm not worthy. Isaiah and Jeremiah, I'm not worthy. Amos, I'm not worthy. I'm not not a a messenger of God. I'm I'm not a prophet. Moses Moses, I I want you to come and lead my people. And Moses is going, no, I I can't do that. I'm not worthy to lead your people. And here, Jesus comes to John to be baptized by him. And John says, wait, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of that. I'm just the messenger who goes before I've just been preparing the way for you to come and have your own ministry. But but now, you should be taking over. You should be doing the baptizing. Why don't you get down here in the Jordan River and you just start dunking people and start with me? But Jesus answered him, verse 15, But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. Jesus didn't have any need to repent, but he did need to be baptized. Those two things are not exactly the same, right? We repent of our sin and then are baptized. Jesus didn't have to repent, but he did need to be baptized. To identify as one of God's people. 
It was like a, a, a ritual ceremony identifying, I belong to the Lord. And John is, is doing this and saying, the, the prepare yourself for the kingdom of God. And so people are repenting of their sin. They're turning away from their sin and saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with this sin stuff anymore. I'm going to repent of that. And now I'm going to dedicate myself to the Lord and be baptized. I identify as one of God's people and am preparing myself for his coming kingdom. much as the Israelites themselves had been baptized as they came through the Red Sea, much as the Israelites themselves had been baptized in this very Jordan River in preparation for going into the land that God had given them as identifying as His people, they came in through this river and into this land and now Jesus is coming down to be the perfect son the perfect one who is following God's commands and he is submitting to his father and saying I am going to give myself to this I identify I identify as one of the people of God In fact, we have been seeing this as he says to John, let us do this for it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. As we think back about the last couple of chapters of the, the book of Matthew, we have seen this fulfillment word over and over again, right? This was to fulfill what the prophet said. This was to fulfill what the prophet said. This was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. This was to fulfill what the prophets said. Matthew over and over again wants us to be sure that we know that this is to fulfill what is necessary. Jesus was doing all that, that Israel was required to do and he was doing it perfectly, without flaw, without sin, under perfect obedience to God the Father. There's an article on uh, the Gospel Coalition that talks about the baptism of Jesus, and I, I love this section of it. It says, Even as a virgin-born, divine incarnate, unique person in the world, the Son desires to be wholeheartedly obedient to the Father, that is, righteous. Thus, He must submit to the God-ordained message of life dedication preached by John. To call this a fulfillment of all righteousness taps into what Matthew has been arguing repeatedly from the beginning of his book and what he will continue to do in the following stories. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's work in the world. He is the final goal and consummation of all God's saving activity. God has sent John as the final herald of the king's return and now... Jesus comes in line with this and fulfills it by submitting to John's baptism. He was fulfilling all righteousness by submitting to the desires of God the Father and fulfilling it perfectly. And the evidence that this is true was immediate. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. What an incredible moment. What an incredible moment that Jesus, as he comes up out of the water, the heavens open and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. This one's different. This one's different. You have all of these people coming and getting baptized, weeping, repenting of their sin, being baptized to be washed clean of their sin and identify as one of God's people, in, ushered into his kingdom. And over and over again, you have this routine that happens where they come down, they repent of their sin, John dunks them under the water, he brings them back up, then they go off. But with Jesus, it's different. Because he goes down under the water, and he comes back up, and the response is completely different. The skies open, the Spirit descends, and lands on him. We have at this moment the Holy Spirit anointing him for his new ministry that is about to begin. This Holy Spirit that would come upon people as a way of anointing them for ministry. And we had seen this in the Old Testament in a variety of offices, but I think most clearly with David. Where with David, Saul had been displeasing to God. Saul, the, the king, had been displeasing to God. And the Holy Spirit was removed from Saul. And Samuel went and anointed David to be king. Far before he was uh, installed as king. Far, far before he had done anything for the nation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was put on, on David, anointed David, and was with him for the sake of his ministry, identifying him. This is the one that God has chosen for this ministry. This is the anointed one. This is the Christ, the Messiah. That's what's happening here. This is the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming down to confirm he is the one that God has called. He is the one that God has chosen. He is the one that God has sent to fulfill the kingdom-bringing mission that God's people would be called and brought back to him. This is Jesus. That is not to say that before this, the Holy Spirit had no involvement in Jesus' life, right? This is not to say that at this moment, Jesus suddenly became the Christ, but was not before. There are some false teachings out there. They are old and they are current. That it was at this moment that Jesus became aware that he was the Messiah. Or that it was at this moment that he was indwelt by God to become the Messiah. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit was involved even from conception. He was, 
He was the Messiah. This is God divine, the second person of the Trinity who has been uh, in existence since before time began, who along with the Father and with the Spirit created the world together. They have been in community, pleasing one another and, and loving one another from before time began. But this, for the sake of John and for others, was the signifier that this Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One. We see this as being, again, a fulfillment of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11, I'm going to read the first five verses, but I want you to pay special attention to verse 2. There shall call... There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Right? So Jesse's the father of David, David the great king, and this, this branch is coming forth from his line. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The Spirit shall rest on this one. And this is what he will do. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of, with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be his belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. This is who this is. He is fulfilling this. This is the moment that he is identified by the Holy Spirit. That Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Again, Isaiah 42, starting in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. This is the fulfillment of that. This is the ushering in of this ministry of Jesus. The rest of the things that are described in Isaiah are described the ministry of Jesus, but this is the identification of who he is. And so when Jesus comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends on him, anointing him, in that moment he is identified as this prophesied one in Isaiah. The servant, his chosen one in whom his soul delights. I put my spirit on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. And this is what it's going to look like. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Those are the things that we are going to see Jesus begin to do as we watch the miracles and the teachings of Jesus throughout the rest of the book of Matthew. But this is the moment at which he is identified. So that there is no ambiguity. But he is the one. He's the one.
And in this moment too, do you remember how John said that one would come after him who was greater than him? One who would come, he said, I baptize with water for repentance, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And what happens for John? In his ministry, as he's handing over the preparation of the kingdom to the building of the kingdom, those, that transition of ministry from John to Jesus, he himself gets to baptize Jesus with water and watch as the Holy Spirit comes down. Isn't that awesome? What an incredible privilege. No wonder John saw Jesus coming and took a step back and said, Hold up now. I am not worthy of this honor. I am not worthy of this honor. Like a herald who is, goes before the king and just shouts, Hey, everybody get out of the way. The king is coming through. Get off the streets. The king is coming through. Everybody bow down and worship the king. And then is being told, What I'd like you to do now is stand up and, and coronate the king. And the herald is going, uh, No, that's not me. I'm just a big mouth who goes in front of the king to get people out of his way and make the path straight. Yeah, John, I know. But what I want you to do is coronate the king. Like Samuel identified David and the Holy Spirit rested on him. John the Baptist identifies Jesus. This is how, it talk, how uh, the Apostle John talks about it. In John chapter 1, says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one of whom I said, the one who comes after me, uh, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John had been preparing the way, and he wasn't entirely sure for whom he was preparing the way. He knew that the kingdom of God was coming. He knew it would be ushered in through the Messiah, but he was not entirely sure who it was until this moment when Jesus comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends, and John goes, and that's what I thought. This, this is the one. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And from that moment on, while John had been preparing the way for the coming King, he began instead to point and say, He's the one, He's the one, He's the one. So that as his disciples came to him and would say, Hey, do you know that Jesus is becoming more prominent than you? 
And John says, yeah. Go follow him. I'm just here to prepare the way. He's the real deal. When Jesus had been baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And then verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I love how often Matthew uses this, and behold. And behold. And pay attention to this. And notice this. And would you look at this? My, my, my grandma used to say, well, wowee! Every time something struck her as something significant or amazing, she would say, well, wowee! I loved that. That's what Matthew was doing here. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And I can just hear my grandmother saying, well, wowee! Isn't that awesome? Behold, look at this. As if it wasn't enough confirmation that the Spirit of God descended on him and anointed him, landed on him like a dove. We have this voice boom from heaven. This one is my son. This one is my son. So that in this moment, Jesus is really the first to be baptized in this way. He is the first to be baptized and have the Holy Spirit anoint him as he is baptized into the kingdom of God. He is the first, the most important, and I think of Colossians chapter 1. I just want to read this to you. Just close your eyes and listen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. And in this moment he is preeminent even in his baptism. He is the first and most important. He is the one who is bringing in, ushering in the kingdom of God that John has been promising would come. And because of that, he is also beginning the process of reconciling those who were the sinful ones who needed to repent and be baptized. He is beginning the process of reconciling them with himself. 
the sin that separates us from God, Jesus is getting ready to deal with. And he will deal with it. But not until many chapters later. Right now, he is fulfilling all of the scriptures, all of the requirements, all of the desires. He is submitting as an obedient son to the Father so that he may be that perfect sacrifice in the end. He is doing everything that is required of us and has been required of the nation of Israel since God called them to be his people. He is doing everything that is required so that it will be completely fulfilled. So that when he stands on the cross and he puts his arms out wide and he says, it is finished, it is because he has completed it. He has done all of it. It is fulfilled. It is finished. So that when he then intercedes for us, he has done it perfectly. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Again, Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 5. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, You are my son today, I have begotten you. As it also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. And then verse 8, and although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. After the order of Melchizedek, meaning he is both a king and a priest. Being both anointed as king and as priest. But not the kind of priest that has to offer sacrifices for himself to make himself pure before he can intercede on your behalf, but the kind of priest who instead is himself pure, is completely righteous, is completely holy. And while somehow being completely righteous and completely holy, yet also identifies with us and understands our weaknesses and all of our temptations yet himself succumbed to none of them. And now, we are called to identify with him. So you see here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, these are some of the first words out of his mouth, according to the book of Matthew. Let's do this. Let's do this. The last words out of his mouth, according to the book of Matthew. As this, as this ushered in his ministry to bring the kingdom, then he sends out his disciples in his, these last words from the book of Matthew. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here we have a Trinitarian baptism. Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending on him, the Father speaking out, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus at the end of his ministry, his earthly ministry, is sending out his disciples to carry this kingdom bringing ministry on and is telling them what you're to do is call people into my kingdom and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that we, when we do that, might be called children of God. This is how John puts it in John chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When we are baptized, we are identifying with him. We repent of our sin and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the Messiah, the one who came to take away the sin of the world, and I believe that he has taken away my sin also. And when we are baptized, we identify with him and with his kingdom so that we who believe in him may now hear the same words as Jesus heard when he came up out of the water and God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We now hear the same thing because we have identified with Jesus. This is my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. For those of you who believe in Jesus this morning, you are God's beloved child with whom he is well pleased because Jesus has fulfilled all of the requirements. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you as your children. We praise you for being our God who loves us. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for sending Jesus that he might live perfectly, fulfilling all of the righteousness that we desire to fulfill but can't and don't. Thank you that having fulfilled all righteousness, he then went to the cross to die the death that we deserved, to pay the punishment for sin that we deserved to pay, 
so that when you look at us, we receive his righteousness. And you may look at us and say, oh, how I love you. I am so pleased with you. Oh God, it is only by the work of Jesus that you could do that. And so we praise you on account of him and in his name. Amen.